The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. As many of you know, I have four daughters, and on this podcast, we talk a lot about bringing up children in this new age of technology. And it's something I talk about because, to be honest, I personally struggle with how to manage technology with my children. There's a lot of pressures for them to communicate with friends, and I think if you have kids, you know that there's just a lot of pressure on your children to get a a cell phone, get an app, get this, get that. And yet, if you allow any of this, they've made a healthier choice. And then there's this judgment as a parent that you struggle with because you're like, oh, man, I let them do this and other parents won't let them do this. And I struggle with it because when I was growing up, I was a really social kid. And for me, I wanted to talk to my friends as soon as I got home from school, as soon as I was probably in middle school, I was on the phone. And it was different because the phone was attached to the wall. My parents could pick up the other receiver at any time and yell at me to get off the phone. But I needed that interaction with my friends. And now the only interaction you can have is through a cell phone. And so it's tough for me to come to the conclusion that I have to eliminate the cell phone because I'm eliminating that connection, but I know that there are dangers with the cell phone. And we had a new one last week that I hadn't really anticipated, something that I hadn't even talked to my kids about, and I didn't actually know was really going on. So my my daughter, who's in high school, was dating a boy, and he broke up with her, and he broke up with her and immediately blocked her on all social media. And that, to me, was a shock. And she's like, I don't know what happened. He just said he wanted to be friends. But then he blocked me on everything. And it was like this massive sadness I could see. And I thought, what a mean thing. And I sat the girls down and I said, why would he do this? And they said, oh, this is the thing. They all do this and, and friends do this. And then a friend did this to her a few days later. And then and then they unblock each other. But you're just cut out of the person's life. You can't speak at all. And it was so devastating. And at that age, something devastating like that can lead to catastrophic results, right? We don't even think about it. We don't really think about etiquette when it comes to these cell phones. And I sat the girls down and I said, we don't block people. 
It's not something we do. If you don't want to talk to them, explain, I'm not really ready to talk right now. I need space. But don't cut someone out of your life like that. There are so many things that I hadn't thought of with technology. And that's why I'm so glad that today I am joined by retired Navy Captain Peter Ryan. Captain Ryan, he now works at the Pentagon, and he's devoting much of his time to educating everyone from our military officials to parents with young kids like me on why screen addiction is actually a national security issue. Captain Ryan, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. So let's talk about this because you've you've written a lot. You've studied a lot. You said that this is your passion. You want to be doing this the rest of your life because you've seen how not only screen addiction has affected our kids, but even those folks in our military who are fighting every day or preparing to fight every day. And there are catastrophic accidents just because of this screen addiction. Can you get into that a little bit? Uh, yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. I, uh, so I'm a happily married uh, father of four. And uh, my old, back in 2013 and 14, one of my teenage uh, children began to use the internet in high school and began using it more and more. Uh, it's very fair to say as more screen time was being utilized late into the night, decay followed mm. and significant decay. Uh, he was a 4.0 student, great, fantastic son and sibling, but by his senior year, um, he had down near it, mostly Fs. And I didn't know what was going on. So, um, as a uh, type A personality, I'm digging into things, trying to understand. And uh, the medical community didn't make sense to me what they were doing. Um, so anyway, uh, finally, uh, it occurred to me that uh, the screen was definitely involved with it. Being a, being a Navy man, I uh, ended up then looking at what's happening in our DOD. And our military men and women are not as healthy as they were back prior to 2008. They just aren't. And the key. So uh, I began to investigate what was going on with them as well. And I actually wrote an article in an 80 journal proceedings called Technology, the New Addiction. And mm -hmm. by and large, I think we're seeing, uh, particularly post COVID, that screen time and the levels at which we're use using it, and particularly in the evening at night when it's destroying sleep, is incredibly unhealthy. And it's leading to all kinds of second and third order impacts, including increased depression in youth, increased because of other lifestyles being, being sedentary, uh, vastly increasing uh, issues of uh, overweight and obesity. Uh, we're not socializing. There's a, a great article called Technology, excuse me, uh, Have Smartphones Destroyed a Generation by a, a psychologist. She's a generational psychologist. Gene, Dr. Gene Twenge, and uh, it was in the Atlantic, and I think in 2017 or 18. And that's really the article that caused me the light bulb in my head to go off with what was going on, because she is documenting how generationally changes occur not that quickly, but suddenly as soon as high-speed internet, smartphones, streaming mm -hmm. media, and social media came about, streaming media facilitating, unfortunately, streaming porn, uh, there's clear data that shows our kids are changing and most all of it for the worse. Uh, well, and, and this is an uncomfortable topic, but you taught, you brought up porn and that is something that I was reading some, some of those statistics before we got on the podcast and just to see that 
suddenly now teenage boys are suffering with erectile erectile dysfunction. I mean, it's to me, it's totally shocking. Teenage boys and they're no longer dating. I mean, this is now the loneliest generation. This this Gen Z is the loneliest generation out there. And you think technology would connect you. It's not connecting you. It's making you more and more go into your shell, go into your your private solitude. And then to have these these medical effects, erectile dysfunction, infertility. What is the future? Well, yeah, the, the, our, uh, perhaps a fertility rate decline is perhaps what you were uh, referring to. Because mm. it, it's interesting, as soon as we began to see uh, increases in de- youth depression and suicide and these changes in behavior, our nation's fertility rate started declining in 2008 as well. I don't think it's any uh, coincidence that they're happening at the same time because young people are not dating, they're not interacting. And young men are consuming, and increasingly women, unfortunately, um, are consuming porn and video games to such an extent that it it's actually uh, more attractive to them than natural relationships leading to marriage. And I think it's a very significant issue from a, a national perspective just about uh, repopulating our nation as older folks, uh, you know, die. die. And then, uh, and then also too, just the health standpoint is overwhelming. And the fact that we we isolated kids behind screens for over a year and a half in many cases, I think is so tragic. And it could have been foreseen with a little bit of just thinking about what what it would do to a, a young person's health. I uh, I was trying to bring visibility to that. Uh, I was censored on LinkedIn for saying that. Uh, that young people are going to be harmed by this policy. Fortunately, I happen to be Roman Catholic, and in the Catholic Church here in uh, Fairfax County, they actually had children going to school 80% of the time during COVID, which is unlike the public school, which was zero. And we're Mm -hmm. seeing the results come out in learning loss, massive levels of depression, and young people are suffering immensely, and that's our future generation. And I pray that parents and uh, people, you know, authorities in uh, government are going to see that we've we've got a damaged generation there, and we're continuing to damage them by rolling out more and more screen-based uh, tools that they're using all the time, not recognizing that very fundamentally, homework at night on a computer. I was listening to a Harvard psychiatrist mm-hmm. uh, speak. Uh, he wrote a book called Brain Energy, uh, and he was talking about how screen time at night is harming kids and leading to anxiety, depression, because it's harming sleep fundamentally, which is probably the most studied element of all of this. It's very hard to prove, unlike with smoking, where you have years and years of research, the the technology is relatively new from a scientific study perspective. And there's also, uh, problematically, uh, the the medical community has been infiltrated by big tech. There's there's uh, an entity up at the Boston Children's Hospital, which is affiliated with Harvard, it's called the Digital Wellness Lab. And if you go on their website, you will see who their sponsors are. TikTok, Meta, Snap, Roblox, Discord. It's criminal. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The important thing to explain to people out there is these apps all have some addictive quality to them that has been created to be addictive. It's not like it's just a side effect. They have been created to draw people and to make them have to come back every day or more than once a day. I mean, Snapchat is one of them that my kids will be like, oh, I lost my streak with a friend. I'm like, stop. These things don't. What is a streak? First of all, I had to learn that, that they have to have send a picture back and forth every day. And then I'm literally having to say to them, this is not, it's not meaningful. This means nothing. It's, they are tricking you. And I said, you guys need to understand, this is the, these are these companies trying to get you back as a customer. You're not communicating with your friends. You're a customer of these companies. It's very hard for them to understand. But you said something at the beginning of this. You said you didn't like what the medical community was saying when you talked about your own son. I wanted to kind of dig in. I don't don't know what you meant by that, but I've got somebody in my family who suffers with anxiety and depression. And I have found that the combination of the pharmaceutical industry and technology has made it so that I almost don't recognize this person because immediately it's like, This drives, the technology drives them to the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist immediately puts them on a drug that makes it so that there's no ups, there's no downs, there's no joy, there's no sat, no crying. It's just like this, this steady anxiety. I would say there is anxiety, but there is not joy or deep sadness. But the anxiety, because it's like I don't fit somewhere, drives them to their phone. And I spend 
my days watching someone who plays a, a video game all day. And the, the answer I got when I asked, why are you doing this? Like you're, it's like you're not even here was I have to keep my mind active because of all of the ADD and everything that I'm suffering from. So it's easier for me to not be distracted by the things around me and spend all my time in my phone. Who is telling our young people this? Well, that's a that's a really good question. Uh, mental health is, I, I don't want to trivialize it. It's, it's a very challenging field. And it, it does seem to me that in general, uh, turning to the pharmaceutical option first for these young for these people who are, who are suffering, uh, perhaps just looking at the lifestyle that we begin to engage in and modify that, that podcast that I mentioned is with Dr. Chatterjee over in uh, Great Britain. He's a, he's a medical doctor and he actually goes, he goes into uh, homes and he lives with them for a while. The BBC films him and he does non uh, pharmaceutical interventions. Mm. And he says to a person, they have vastly improved every visit he's made. So I feel as though the pharmaceutical industry has definitely infiltrated a lot of the, the medical thinking and it's driving a lot of that because there's massive money involved with that. But to me, we're not focused on health first. It's not to say we don't use medicine. Medicine's critical and it's life-saving. But I don't know that it necessarily needs to be the first option that we seem to turn to. And that seems to be happening broadly. I, uh, I feel as though if, we, if kids are on screens excessively, that in and of itself is going to contribute to anxiety and stress. It elevates, puts them in a state of uh, fight or flight, for instance, playing video games. Um, the chronic stress is no good for us. We are meant to have downtime between facing the saber-toothed tiger. You've got to be able mm. to relax before you can optimally perform. And uh, we're, not, we're not seeing that. We're seeing nonstop screen usage, particularly post-COVID. Before COVID, it was like eight hours. The amount of screen time was already incredible beforehand. It's hard to keep up with all the statistics, to be honest with you, because they're always changing. People are uh, measuring at different times, different ways. But it's fair to say with COVID, it was just over the top. And any recommendations from medical providers to limit screen time went out the window because they all just threw in the towel and said, well, we've got to do this virtual schooling to protect our children. Not, not, not appreciating the magnitude of the harm that they were doing to them, at least certainly hoping they didn't appreciate it. Um, I did. And uh, I'm very sad it went this way. Well, I noticed that in one of your writings, you said, you know, there are things that affect people's lives, pandemics and wars, but those are moments in time. This is something that just continues to go on. But I do think for our kids, they have the added component of technology and the pandemic, as you just said, because I remember thinking my kids in Michigan, my kids were locked in the house for months. They weren't allowed to go to the grocery store. They weren't allowed to go out in the neighborhood. There were literally neighbors calling on neighbors to the police if a child was outside for fear, the child across the street might actually catch something from them. And so our kids were so, so trapped and that was an escape for them. There was, so I do think during that time, they became much more reliant on technology and it was 
a change in their mindset of what home time is. And parents were working, kids were at home. It was kind of the perfect storm. But as we came out of it, I think that that didn't really go away. It felt like home time was time to be connected. And how do we get our kids to to disconnect? And also, do you see a difference between female children and male children when you look at technology addiction? Uh, so your first question, how do we go about like unwinding this mess we've made? Mm-hmm. I, I think, first of all, parents have to understand the severity of what the screen time is doing to them at the levels that we're seeing. It's not, I'm not a Luddite. Like they're tools. They're going to be with us forever. You and I are on the screen. But we also right. have to appreciate there's there's brain development involved. A young man's brain doesn't uh, fully form until about age 26. So during this key period of time, I feel it's really important that parents in particular delay as long as you can getting them these devices, have them engage in activities that are incredibly healthy, get them out socializing, and recognize the more screen time you give them, uh, the worse off they're going to be at the levels we're seeing today. The Attorney General of Virginia, he actually made a really interesting comment. He said, the minute you give your son or daughter a smartphone, their childhood is over. Mm. And uh, that's kind of tragic. It really is because so many kids are very tragic. Uh, But I think awareness is the number one thing. I'm part of a group called uh, I'm an ambassador for ScreenStrong.org. I highly recommend them for any parents. They've got all kinds of resources and helps available for parents that are trying to navigate this minefield. So I feel as though awareness is the first point. Um, Ultimately, the, the attorney general is actually suing Meta. And I'm, there's also uh, class action lawsuits going against video games. Video games have gone below the radar largely. You see Zuckerberg and the CEO or the uh, American CEO of TikTok in front of Capitol, you know, in front of Congress. But you don't see as much about the video games. And they are absolutely devastating young men, mm. uh, particularly. Women are starting to play more as well. Um, your, your other question was the difference between boys and girls. There's an awful lot of statistics on all of this and who's being affected and how. Largely, uh, the uh, porn and video games were the domain of young, young men and uh, teenage boys. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, uh, women are starting to adopt both more, which is a tragedy. Um, and then social media, I think probably because... Uh, Young ladies are very social, like you said you were. Um, mm-hmm. they, uh, they're, the social media is definitely having a greater impact on women. Not to say young, young boys aren't also affected as well, but that's kind of, that's kind of the layout that I see, and uh, I try to keep up with it all the time. And I know things change, too. The technology's morphing all the time, and uh, so it's, it's, it's something to keep up with, that's for sure. Well, and I think that when you talk about, I mean, to go back to boys, young boys being able to go into porn sites and young girls, one of the things I know we're saying, well, that affects young boys more. But one of the things that I've noticed is that women are struggling to find husbands, struggling to find men who can actually function in a relationship. So ultimately, when they're young, I think that that's affecting men. But we have women who are in their 20s and 30s and even 40s who are like, 
there are no men out there. Where did all of the men go? And I do think that there's like this, you talk about the brain not developing until 26 years old. I think that there is this almost stunting in emotional growth. And I don't know if that is preventing men from being able to connect on a different level with a woman in person or what is happening. But I mean, have you found anything like that in your research? Because I think young women are going, where where are all the guys? Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. That's a, that's an incredibly complex topic. I, I would sit here and say that the percentage of young men that are doing this, it's, it's changing their brains and their motivation. Like, when you play something again and again and again, uh, there's something called neural pruning. If you don't use it, you lose it. So it is changing the brains and the attitudes and motivation. Like any addiction, it pulls people away from healthy behaviors. I mean, the signs that you can look for as a parent, um, are their friends falling up by the wayside? Um, mm. How are their activities? Are they no longer interested in debate or art or whatever it might be, and they're now focused on the screen. And then obviously grades. It is changing people. Matter of fact, I've shared with an economist, the uh, head of the Brownstone Institute, uh, my theory that post-COVID, our inability to get trade schools fully populated, um, uh, our uh, lower skilled labor areas, we're having a hard time getting back to full employment. And this trend, in my view, is the result of young men largely that are sitting here gaming and just losing losing interests and losing everything that was a traditional man would be doing. And they're basically, they're putting off responsibility and uh, hard work because it's so much more attractive to find some dopamine rush on World of Warcraft or whatever it might be which is absolutely oh. tragic and the level the level of use is just incredible esports is growing and the these other kinds of things that have second and third order effects that our nation needs to be discussing i do believe it's a national security threat in total i don't want to sound like a uh, an alarmist but if you look at the the harm to our kids and if we see that continuing as we're rolling out more and more screen time in the educational arena, more and more uh, just devices of all kinds. Uh, I think we really need to tread carefully because I think there's really negative ramifications associated with this excess screen time. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you also talk about how this affects our Navy. Tell me a little bit about what you've seen there, because you've even noted that there have been some deadly accidents and you can connect that back or believe that you can connect that back to this addiction to technology. Uh, yes, uh, Tudor, the uh, very fundamentally, one of the most clear impacts that's been the most studied is the impact of these devices on sleep. And the Navy sailors have always been tired. It's hard work. You, you know, you're watching. I, I'm making that face because I'm like, oh, gosh, what am I doing to myself? I mean, I think this is very convicting even for us as adults, because I'm like, I'm guilty of this as well. Just scrolling through my phone and then sleep. going to sleep. Right, right. So uh, back, if you recall, there were some major ship collisions involving many fatalities and uh, almost the loss of the ship in some cases, the McCain and Fitzgerald collisions. If um one of the underlying causes for that was said to be uh, sleep, you know, lack of sleep on the part of the watchstanders. Um, if you look at uh, things such as uh, mishaps per flying hour, which is an aviation metric, we see a growing set of mishaps per flying hour from 2011 to 2018. The data is hard to come by. That was FOIA information, but it clearly seems to be growing in lockstep with the uh, with the growth in screen time that we're using at large. And then the Navy also, and DOD, in a bigger picture, we've seen a growing set of suicides that, map, that matches in, in growth uh, that which the greater population of young people is showing. So 
between mental wellness and sleep, it seems to me that we're less ready as a force. And we need to help our military men and women understand the addictive nature of these games that, as you said, Silicon Valley trains these behavioral scientists how to make these products addictively, um, which is a fact. And then uh, so training our sailors on that and then uh, going ahead and putting in uh, prudent limitations on screen use uh, to make sure that we're optimized, that we're well, we're healthy. These kinds of limitations on screen use should be something that we all consider what we're doing because it, it's a lifestyle thing that we've just embraced. And even going to the weight room, I look at young guys sitting oh, here gosh. on the bench. They're on the, they're on the bench press and they're sitting there and they're scrolling on their phone between sets. And I'm like, okay, are you going to get up? 10 minutes just went by. I need to use the bench. And uh, I'm being a little bit flipped. Well, that's another it, thing is physical health. Something else that we've seen a decline in physical health. I mean, we even, I think it was 10 years ago or maybe even 2011 when an article came out saying that we're too fat to serve as Americans. And these are young people. We're talking about teenagers who can't join the military because they're so overweight. And I've seen this increase just the difference, I think when when you are a young person today and you have children and you go to kindergarten for the first time with your kids, you can I mean, I'm in my 40s, so I go back to the 80s when I was going to kindergarten. And I I look at the difference just from my elementary school experience to my kids today. And I look at the children in the school and there's just this is not to criticize, but there's no way to miss the fact that there is a significant number of children who are severely overweight. And I wonder how has technology contributed to that? And not just from the standpoint of my own kids being on technology, but also me being on technology because it it's just like a time suck. It sucks things. It sucks your day away from you. You don't, you can get to the point where you don't realize you're doing it. And it's like, oh, did I have time to make a healthy meal? Yeah, I probably did if I didn't allow the time suck, you know? And then you wonder, is it because my kids are sitting around on the couch that they're gaining weight? What are we doing today as a society that suddenly this generation, Gen, Gen Z and Gen Alpha are suddenly so much more unhealthy than past generations how could we be getting to a point where we're becoming unhealthy rather than healthier with all we know amen would you come on the speaking circuit with me <laughs> no uh, sure why not hey i'm yeah. i'm passionate about this and i and i have constant guilt about it myself because i'm like are we having enough conversations and are we sitting down as a family enough and is that keeping them from getting sucked into these ideas. And I do think that there's a huge responsibility on parents today to have more meaningful conversation, to take that time. We're putting everything away. Tell me about your day. Tell me what's going on. Tell me about the boy you like. And that's another thing that I've had parents like, I don't want to talk about that stuff. Well, they're going to talk about it with someone else. Oh, yeah. How do we get more engaged with our families? Well, that's a... I, I, first of all, I think parents have to take ownership of it. And that's probably not something that's necessarily popular, but we have to set our own limits. When we go to the dinner table at a restaurant, how many times do you just see families immersing their faces in smartphones all the way around? It's rather tragic. I see kids in the neighborhood being pushed in strollers, babies, and the parents are walking 
the smartphone. It, it, it needs to be, a, there needs to be a national movement toward understanding what the technology has done to us. I mm. go out, when, prior to 2008, you'd regularly see, see kids riding bikes in the neighborhood, running around, playing kickball over in the side open yard. Um, you don't see that as much anymore. And it's, and that's leading to all these consequences of, uh, being overweight, being unhealthy, being isolated. Um, and frankly for parents too, I think this nonstop connectivity, looking at whatever the news is online, like I'm a news junkie too, but I've actually made a point to get a newspaper sent to me once a week. And I try to greatly limit my time on the news because I think you can get yourself worked up too. So then parents are tired, single parents, especially what a challenge that would be coming home in today's day and age. And I would have given my kid an iPad to go here, spend some time. Uh, let me make dinner and do the dishes and do some laundry. I sympathize greatly. Our, our pace of life is incredibly challenging, but as a family, we, we, probably need to have an honest discussion internally and say, what are we doing as a family? How is it imp uh, impacting us? Because I tell you what, if you if we continue down this road, the problems are only going to get greater unless we get this under control. And I feel as though, you know, reaching back on our, our faith, our, the pace at which we're going is also pulling kids away from their faith. Mm -hmm. you, these devices are the new golden calf, if you will. And uh, when I get presentations, I actually put an iPhone up in place of the, the golden cat. But, you know, just it, yesterday I was at a meeting and uh, one of the speakers said, I will tell you that there are two simple things that you can measure as to whether or not your child will be a healthy adult. And one of them is, do you make time to sit down for dinner together and actually talk? And the other one is ask yourself how often you take your child to a church service. And, you know, those are those are things that now used to not be sacrifices. Now we see those as sacrifices. They're so critical to be involved and show your child that they're important. They, he made another comment. Every time you're sitting there on the cell phone, mindlessly scrolling, someone else is more important than your kid. You're teaching them that and you're teaching them that they can also feel that someone else is more important than their family member. Man, it's really convicting when you go through this, but that's why I real I just I enjoy having these conversations because, because I am learning and I think there's so many parents out there like me who have never we've never experienced this. We didn't grow up with it. We don't know how to handle it. There's so many pressures and how do we control yeah. it? So I appreciate so much what you're doing. I think there's so much more that we can dig into on this conversation. And I'd love to have you back and have more conversations about this because I think we we can really, we've kind of uncovered the problem, but we can really dig into what some solutions are and how parents can manage this and how we can talk to other parents about this too. So I'd love to have you back to kind of dig in a little deeper. I, I would, that, that would be my honor. I'd love to. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for reaching out to me and being willing to come on. Captain Ryan, what you're doing is so important. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. I appreciate what you're doing, Tudor. Oh, thank you. And thank you all, all right. for joining us all right. on the Tudor Podcast. For this episode and others, go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or head over to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time on the Tudor Dixon Podcast. Have a blessed day. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.